Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening, folks. Thank you very, very much for listening. Today, today is the 24th of January, year of our Lord, 2023. Welcome to yet another edition of the Bunt and Cardigan Show, presented by The Athletic. I'm, of course, joined by the on-again, off-again, man who wears the cardigan, James Edwards III of The Athletic. James, kind of a funny... I have funny... a bone to pick. Okay, go ahead. I go to Paris, I'm gone for a week, and like... There's this other media guy who just gets all gets the cardigan love. I've been what, doing this. What are you talking about? Shannon Sharp. Oh. Like we're just calling him Cardigan King now because of one incident? Like I've been on this. Like this is crazy to me. I go I leave the country for one week and I come back and there's a new king of the cardigan and I'm just like like fam, I've been Come on, man. I didn't see this. This is new to me. Now, I, not that this has anything to do with what you're upset about. Do you have a quick spiel on that whole thing? I thought the thing was kind of dumb, the little dust-up at halftime. I thought that was pretty stupid. My only issue with that, you know I don't get into like that type of yeah, yeah, yeah. sports media. Like I don't, I didn't pay too much attention to it. I like, heard about it. Uh, the thing to me that's like annoying, I guess, is if any fan does that, they're kicked out. Hmm. I don't, I don't like that double standard because Shannon Sharp are going to let him keep sitting here. But if Joe Schmo does that, which we've seen, they get kicked out. It's like, come on, Spike like Lee he can calls, do it. he calls the whole scene like, t- like the teams ran over to him. Like if literally any random person does that, that person's gone and probably not allowed back in the arena. Yeah, that that annoyed that annoyed me. Hmm. Interesting take. I was going to say, kind of funny. Night for you, a little bit meta. I'm sure this actually didn't mean anything to you. I just know I got a little chuckle out of it. James Edwards was in the building uh, at LCA tonight. I yeah, saw him he and I was, was like, "Hey, yeah." It's Big like one Daddy. of those. Yeah, there you go. Uh, in the, do you still have that in your bio? I know you used to have like not related to Buddha or something like I that. I still, I still have that. Yes, still that, got that. Yeah, yeah. I it also that a lot. made me really happy to see Lindsey Hunter in the building. And for those who don't know, uh, at halftime they did. Uh, it was Bob Lanier night. Uh, for the Pistons, because Pistons Bucks, um, they had a really kind of touching presentation at halftime. I thought it was really nice. Brought out some Piston legends. Dave Bing was there. Ben Wallace was there. Like I said, Lindsey Hunter was there. Uh, James Edwards was there. It was really, really cool. I thought it was nice. Yeah, it was. I I uh, missed the halftime part of it, but it, I knew like they brought in a bunch of his family and friends yeah. and teammates, and that's a really that was a really good move by the Pistons. Bob Lanier, obviously before my time, but he was, he's one of those guys on my list. There's like a very small list of guys who played before I was alive or, I mean, obviously like Magic Johnson, but like there's enough stuff out there that I've seen enough Magic Johnson, but like Bob Lanier is one of them. Um, and there's two other guys I, I'm mixing it. I haven't been up past 1030 Eastern standard time in like three days. So I'm kind of like flustered right now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Bob Lanier is a great tribute. Um, very cool. The Pistons wore warm-ups with his Lanier in 16. It was it was very good touch. And, uh, yeah, he's on that list of guys I wish I would have been able to see play. You know, in a night where it's funny, usually when you lose really bad, you get blown out, you just go hyperbolically, yeah, man, we just lit up like 150 points tonight. It was rough. No, we did, though. But that actually did happen. And, and yeah. on, this, we, on this show, I, we've kind of moved away from – you know, doing podcasts on like a, you know, covering games on a game by game basis. Cause the, the shelf life of that ultimately is like, kind of like what, you know what I mean? We try to focus on bigger picture stuff here, but the one thing I want to say about the bucks game, cause as we're recording this, James literally just got home from the arena. Usually we record a little bit earlier in the day, but we're doing it at night. Thank um, you for that. So I can try to stay up late. Oh, it's whatever, man. I don't care. So the Dwayne Casey fire him, get him out of here, train is in full effect after this game. This is not me doing like an in-defense of Dwayne Casey thing. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to make excuses for him. But the only thing I would say is like, this is a Pistons team that A, we knew already wasn't very good. B, in the span of a week, they played one game, and on the opposite end of that game, 
both ways. They traveled halfway around the world and back, right? On top of that, it's like, yeah, it's a Bucks team that when the big three has played since 2020, they have a winning percentage of 75%. So they're winning 75% of the games when all three guys are playing. And guess what? Giannis came back and is kind of pissed. He's playing games again. He wasn't playing very good, and he was awesome. And then Chris Middleton, he's back from injury, hasn't gotten to play a lot this year. He's kind of got something to prove. Really, really good. So, like, I don't know what the problem is. Like, yeah, 150 points. It doesn't feel good. I'm not happy. I'm not happy, yeah. but it's like, what do you, you know? Yeah, it was a, like... Yeah, I hate going down this rabbit hole because you know, like where I stand. Like I, them losing by twenty to the Bucks isn't surprising to me, uh, because one, it's the Bucks; they were fully healthy. Uh, the Pistons are without three starters, and it's the Pistons too. Like it's just that yeah. they're not in the same league right now. So, um, I also like there's two things, and I'm not defending their performance tonight. They got their butts kicked. But also, I, I think people. I think it's and it's even it's even hard for players, but to do it to to analyze it in the moment. When you're down twenty five at the end of the first, it feels like the world is over. So anything after that, it almost doesn't matter unless you come back and win, right? Like they got their butts kicked in the first quarter. It, they outscored the, the Bucks I, the rest of the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like that first quarter was so historically bad. Like I think the Bucks were two points shy of tying the most points ever scored in the first quarter. That you almost don't care, or it even feels like whatever happens after that. And understandably so. Like it's it's whatever. Like at that point, the game's pretty much over with. Nobody's. It's rare to. I mean, people come back from that, but the Pistons aren't coming back from that. But like they, yeah, they played like it was a competitive basketball game for the next three quarters it was just so bad in the first quarter that it didn't matter they couldn't make up the ground they only they outscored the bucks in the next three quarters yes but it was only by five points but yeah if you don't lose the the first quarter by 25 and only lose it by six or seven like you're feeling a lot better about this game when you walk away so that's not to defend again their historically almost historically bad first quarter but certainly they didn't just like lose each quarter by twenty tonight, um, and then secondly, yeah, I think it's that's just like a weird game to pick. And I, I mean, the Dwayne stuff hasn't started. I mean, just started. It's been starting, but like that's a weird game to like really pound the table on it. I think it's because we haven't had them a lot recently. Just a lot of games. Period. I mean, the last week we've only played two, and comparatively, it's kind of weird because usually in a week span this season we've been accustomed to playing like ten games. So I think just because they're a little more sparsed out. Yeah. It just left more festering a little bit. Also, 81 points in that first half. Good going, guys. Not hey, good. we're going to be doing some midseason player grades today. Before we do that, James, while you were over in Europe, and we're going to be doing a, a Europe travel recap at the end of today's show, but you did a lot of work over there. So before we get into the player grades, uh, why don't you take a minute or two, pump some of the stuff that you wrote? Yeah, if you missed any of the content from last week because the Pistons played one game in eight days and you t gave yourself a breather, understandably so. Um, I was over in Paris, the only beat writer over there, and I I got some good stuff. No, 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 I'm just saying, like, I was able to get some good stuff because of that. Um, uh, I talked to Cade Cunningham. Gave, I talked to him for the first – nobody's talked to him since his surgery, so I, I got a piece on Cade. Uh, my takeaway from that is he's happy he got the surgery. Everything that I've reported and everything I've said on this pod, we talked about how he was on the fence about it, how um, I, I think his veganism and, and um, natural lifestyle was a factor in him getting the surgery, which he mentioned to me like he was afraid to get a rod in his leg. Um, and But I, I, at the end of the day, I looked at him and I saw somebody who was like happy to be back with the team, happy to get the surgery, um, and it looks to be in a, in a good place. Um, then I talked to Troy Weaver one-on-one. -on -one. We talked about the rebuild. Um, one thing in particular we talked about is obviously if fans are very antsy and 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 trying to push the push the progress forward a little bit quicker than um, obviously the team is right now. But I think one thing that goes amiss is who are the two rebuilding teams that are getting the most love? right Orlando and OKC correct yeah yeah those two teams were able to start the rebuild by trading pretty big pieces that allowed them to start the rebuild 
um, on a good point. Uh, the Thunder had Paul George, who returned them multiple first-round picks, and this guy named Shea Gelgis Alexander, you may have heard of him. Who, by the um, way, was drafted with the Pistons pick that went to the Clippers in the Blake Griffin deal, so you're welcome. Yep. So, again, we talked about this. Even if the team is bad and you have a top 20-ish player, like things can look better than they are, um, and that's where the brilliance of Shea comes into play. And then you look at Orlando, I think people forget that they had Vucevic, and they were able to get multiple firsts and Wendell Carter Jr. I think one of those picks were used for Franz. Um, so those two teams – were able to start the rebuild not from ground zero. You know what Detroit had when it started its rebuild? Uh, Blake Griffin who with one knee. And Andre Drummond. Yeah. So Detroit legitimately started from ground zero. Um, and with that, it, like, and I've said it before, this is like the puberty stage. So I talked about that with Troy. Um, not having, having a true ground zero start rebuilding, kind of that getting lost in the conversation when people talk about rebuild and P the Pistons losing kind of the glamour that they had last year and teams like Orlando and Oklahoma City kind of being propped up. Well, it kind of makes sense because they were able to kind of have pieces that really ignited the start of a rebuild. Um, talked about the development of Killian Hayes and a bunch of other stuff, so check that out. I uh, wrote about a father and son who are season ticket holders that made the trip to Paris after uh, a family tragedy. And I wrote about Victor Wimbanyama and just his presence in the arena that night, which was pretty crazy. Uh, I have a Victor take. I might save it for... Well, hey, I was going to say, actually, we're, we're probably due for uh, our first pre-draft pod of the year coming up. So within the next I few weeks... Say, I, I figure we do that after the deadline. We you want to wait till then? Cool. After cool. the deadline, yeah. So, so chew on your Wemby take until about a month from now. I thought, yeah. I mean, all right. And then uh, Isaiah Livers was gracious enough to do a diary for the Athletic, uh, where he kind of, I mean, essentially just talked about his day each day and what he went and did and uh, what was on his mind. So, you can check all that stuff out on the Athletic right now. Cool. Uh, I was. I, I wanted to say. Uh, I think my favorite angle that was discussed in the Troy Weaver piece was everything that you just laid out. Cause I had never really thought about it framed that way where we didn't have a lot. And honestly, you mentioned Andre, if you want to be technical, I mean, first of all, when Troy took over the Andre trade had already happened. Stefanski had already pulled that off. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I know yeah, Ed's, yeah, yeah. I know Ed's that's, that so, that's what I'm saying. Right. That's when they started like pivoting it. Right. That was like the, the flagship, like, Hey, this Andre's gone. Like we bit the bullet. Tom Gores finally gave us the green light. We're doing this thing. Yep. Um, but then, yeah, after that, it was like the, what the first one to go was Bruce. And then after that, it was just kind of a, a domino well, effect. Well, besides buying out Reggie. Um, Sorry. I meant, out Re I meant like on yeah. watch in terms oh, of yeah, the assets yeah, yeah. that he was dealing with. That yeah, was the first Bruce, trade he made. Luke, Bruce Luke. Um, and then, and then bought out Blake yep. and Dwayne Dedman was a trade in there. So, and then, uh, yeah. Zaire Smith, remember the peanut allergy, everybody yeah. was really upset that we let go of Zaire Smith. I was one of them too. I thought he was going to be playing some valuable NBA minutes. That didn't happen. I think if here's a fun trivia moment was Troy Weaver's first move. I think it was signing Justin Patton to a 10 day. Yes, it was nice. Wow. Alrighty, James, we have some uh, midseason player grades that we're going to jump into today. I don't know if we need to go over everybody here, but we're going to hit the main ones here. Like Cade, I have some notes here. I just put not applicable for Cade. Is that appropriate? Do you want to do a, keel, a Cade spiel? I don't think it's necessary. No, I, don't, I don't think he's uh, available for grading. I think what he only played 12 games. Yeah, something like that. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I figured the uh, first I, I have think Isaiah Livers is in that category, too. Just incomplete. He just hasn't played enough. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like, we're probably going to say the same thing about him. Like, he has the frame that you want. He fits the mold that you want. He has the skill set that you want out of him. He plays some pretty, I don't want to say playful minutes because that sounds a little bit silly, but every time he's out there, you see the vision and you understand it. So, Oh, I, I like I'm a I'm a Livers fan. I just, no, yeah. I just don't think we can grade his season. Yeah, that's fair. But even if he had played every single game, I just feel like he's so good that we would probably just be saying the same thing. I totally get what you mean, though. Let's yeah. start with uh, Bogdanovich. Now, I'm going to do a little separate spiel here first on the Lakers pick, if that's okay. Sure. Give me a quick oh, two. And while you're on it, on Wednesday, we have uh, I have a piece uh, where people pitched Bogdanovich trades to me. Ooh, interesting. So if there is any trade that you end up reviewing, uh, no spoilers, 
But I've seen a, a lot of Pistons fans use that Lakers 2027 first round pick uh, in a Bogdanovich trade and using that as sort of like the primary piece of the trade. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I think ultimately what my issue with this is, is like we're talking about a pick that's four years down the line. We're talking about this like it's a pick in 2025, which is totally different. But I think when you start to extend the time frame on a, on a pick like that, the landscape of the year is going of the I'm sorry of the league is going to be so drastically different in four years that if you're cashing in a chip now and I I mean this with all due respect like how confident is Troy that in four years like that job is still his and he'll be able to make that pick like that's the, the, that's the caveat I was going to bring up like if I'm a GM of a rebuilding team I'm hesitant to trade for a pick that's four years away from now. Not that, if, and I think I think Troy, like I said, I think he's. I think they're going to figure it out eventually. I'm not, right. But if I'm him, I'm with you. If I'm him, I, that's in the back of my mind. Like, am I going to trade a good player for a pick that I might not even get to make? But then there's also the caveat of like, well, he could just get this pick to use as a, another trade chip. See, and I totally get that part of it, and that's kind of, I feel like, with the, the immediate counter to anything is like, well, you don't immediately have to be assuming that you're going to, uh, um, that you're going to be using the pick. Right. So, I also think, like, it's valuable because the Lakers, by all accounts, are probably going to be terrible by then. And I should say, if Troy Weaver has his job in 2027, that means it worked. That means, congratulations, the wheels got off the ground. You got to a steady cruising altitude, and if you still have that pick, if you haven't moved it by then, you know, we're looking at a team that, like, it's not comparable to the 3 team where I don't think we're going to be on the doorstep and then you just happen to have, like, a top three pick. You know what I mean? I don't think it's going to be that good, but there's still going to be a team that's, like, right there. Um, but you have to get there first. You know what I mean? You have to take advantage of the assets that you have today when you are a team that, let's just be honest, is as bad as this Pistons team is. If you want to say they're just young and that's the end of it, like, no, ability is an issue here. So I also saw a lot of people in the same vein getting upset that we didn't go after Rui Hachimura. I'm going to tell you something, man. I feel like we have a lot of that at home. I feel like we have a lot of what he brings to the table already on the team, and we're not really in the business of taking on more 25-year-old flyers. In the same vein that I don't know if I want to trade for a pick for a guy that's like 16 years old right now like that just seems really counterintuitive to me we need to get there first before we start talking about draft picks in 2027 if it's a throw-in and the pick isn't like i'm just i'm trying to think of any player on the lakers that i would want but if there was somebody and the pick was just kind of like a bonus boom i love it but not as like the thing for bogdanovich yeah does that make sense yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we're in lockstep, and I think we'd agree that there's nobody on the Lakers roster that the Pistons want player-wise outside of LeBron yeah, and I, Anthony I Davis. Yeah. Um, but then again, like we talked about, like the value of the 2027 pick is throwing it in as a trade chip more so than actually making the pick. And like I get what you're saying, like the Lakers could be bad then, but I also argue that it's the Lakers, and it's just too dicey to say that they will be bad because they can just sign the best free agent every year. Right. right. Um, I, I just mean in the sense that by then LeBron will be on whatever team right, right, they right. got drafted like, by. And yeah, hypothetically, like if that, if the Lakers team was in San Antonio, yes, you do that trade because yeah. San Antonio is not going to, doesn't have the, nobody wants to go to play San Antonio like they do LA. Yeah. Um, they can yeah, also I mean, keep Anthony Davis and get somebody for him when LeBron leaves. You know what I mean? Like, right, exactly. So, yeah, I think we're in lockstep there. And I think, and and like I said, I I, I even talked to Troy about that in the piece. Like, from the outside, out just outside the house looking in, it appears you guys want to be more competitive next year. And so does that dictate maybe your approach to the deadline? And I asked him if that was a fair. First, I asked him if that was a fair kind of uh, evaluation. He said, Yeah, it is fair. Um, but obviously, they're gonna they're going to evaluate everything. So yeah, I'm with you on that. And, um, for a grade, I would give Bogdanovich. I'm going to probably contradict myself throughout this. I'm going to give him an a minus just because the elite level scoring, like the defense has has been hit and miss. I, yeah. I think he does when he wants to turn it on. He can, um, it's not like, even when he turns it on, it's not like elite level defending, but it's like passable defending. Um, but his, He's uh, offensively, he's just been so efficient, and this team has needed him to like 
stay even halfway afloat at times. So he gets yeah. A minus for me. I mean, this is why we do the show. I know you're just going off the dome, but I actually wrote down some stuff and I have A minus here. Um, I'll just do, because I agree with most of that. I'll just add, he's pretty much done everything that I expected that he would do. I think he's selfish at the right times and I think he's unselfish at other times. I will say the experience with him on my team has been a lot more unselfish than I was anticipating. And obviously I mean that in a good way. Um, I think but, he's. I think he's been more unselfish lately. I think there was a time where he was maybe a little too selfish, mm-hmm. but I also understand why. Right. Um, but I even think he's been better than advertised. Like, like I've always liked Bogdanovich and think he's been a good player. But like, him being the focal point of opposing teams and he's still this efficient says a lot about him, especially at at his age. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's move on to Sadiq Bay. I will give you the floor uh, to start here. I mean, a C is, I think, the obvious grade. Um, I'm in the camp of I believe Sadiq will be a good NBA player for a long time, but this season it's obviously been up and down, and there's no kind of way around it. Um, He's had good high moments. He's had low moments. Um, Defensively, he's struggled when on the perimeter. Um, He's performed better against bigger forwards, which we all kind of knew. The shot has been streaky this year. Um, he's getting to the line more, which is a positive. It's just, yeah, I've been very up and down. And like I said, I'm. I, I think there's. I think Sadiq kind of just needs a reset. Like I think he needs this season to end. Um, just kind of just a, just a not a fresh start with the new team, but just like a fresh start. Like season's over. Clear your head and come back next year. Um, but like, yeah, if we're just evaluating this season, I say a C. Yeah, maybe he needs like a six, seven playmaker next to him. Maybe a guy who's like seven, three can play all five positions. Maybe he just needs some of that around him. Wink, wink. You know what I mean? No, you hit the you hit uh, my main point right on the head. I was going to mention six, seven, Cade, because who knows how tall he actually is? Yeah, That's a, I think six, seven's a little reach, but yeah. Oh, he, he had six, the braids today. I know you're into that. <gasps> he, braided, he braided himself up. Did he really? I don't know if he braided himself up, but he's braided. Nice. Uh, yeah, there's like a four inch height disparity that we've heard from him. He came into the league at six eight, and now he's like five eleven. I don't, I don't really know what's going on. And when I, I saw you, I think he's between six five and six six. Hmm. No, but what I was gonna say, uh, just to get us back on track, the thing I was gonna say about Sadiq, um, it's the it's the free throw shooting and and just getting to the line, generating those looks. Uh, I think I've been kind of consistent all year with how I've been monitoring the whole like are we sure we need to keep doing this like three level scoring experiment? Can we just get him really good at one thing first instead of being like kind of good at a lot of different things? Like he's above average at three point shooting. Well, maybe not this year. Right. But uh, the one thing I was thinking is, you know, can we start using that frame to our advantage a little bit? Right. Can we just get that body on the line around the rim a little bit more? And he's done a lot better uh, with that this year. Um, His free throw, I think he's shooting more free throws at a higher clip uh, than he has uh, so far in his career. Um, which is great. And I think a lot of the trade buzz with him has kind of died down for the most part, which is good, right? Just in terms of, uh, is it part of the like everyday rhetoric and zeitgeist of a Piston fan? Like not really anymore as much as it was like a month ago. But the only take I would have on that is, doesn't it feel kind of bad if you trade up and and smash this draft right i'm sorry in in 2020 you smash that draft you trade up you get sadiq bay and he comes in his rookie year first team all rookie like third all time and most threes made in the season by piston he was up there i don't remember exactly where it was probably broke the record for rookies right and then follows that first team all rookie up the next season breaks the franchise record for most threes made in a single season scores a 50 point game takes a pretty decent leap right a little bit more athletic than he was the year before. Wouldn't it feel kind of bad and almost a little unserious if the first variance that he shows in either his scoring or efficiency, we balk and say, I don't know if this experiment is for me and we need to do something else. Cause that, that's not fun to me. That doesn't sound great. And that doesn't sound like a team that is trying to be better. Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. I think I'm with you in the sense that, I see value in holding on to Sadiq and just like letting him figure it out here. Um, because there's obviously talent there. It's just figuring out how to harness it and how to get 
it's not even necessarily like I'm not try, I'm not saying get the guys around him because you're not building around him, but just like figuring out what where he best fits in this picture. Um, I think that will go a long way. So like I think they have time to do that. Like even even in doing that, like at least you know he's an NBA player. It's it's not like you're like figuring out if this guy's even an NBA player. Like you you know Sadiq's an NBA player. Yeah. Um, and then I think my counter to that would be. Well, maybe you look at the landscape of the roster. They're, if they keep Bogey, they keep Burks. They add. They get a. They get a. They don't get a top two pick, and they end up with the Cam Whitmore, Brandon Miller. It's like, oh, there's a wing. It's like, well, where does Sadiq fit in? Then it's a different conversation. But we've talked about on this pod, and I think we have a podcast title. I'd be afraid to trade Sadiq. Yeah, we do. I still, yeah. I still feel that way right now. Like I just. I would want to – this season has been so weird and unorthodox and toppy-turvy and just – it's just been an odd season for everybody that I, I I would want to come back one more year, let him reset and see – and really see what – where he's at next season in, in year four. The one thing I, I would add is if, if draft time comes and, and we have the lottery and we know that we're going to have to go wing, yeah, that's a different conversation. I'm willing to have the conversation then. I'm just saying present day, if we're talking about are we or are we not moving him at the deadline, these are what my feelings are. But I agree that in, in six months, things could feel a little bit different. I'm going to – I don't mean to stay on the Sadiq thing, but a quick question. Do you think like what he needs is the way that Isaiah has adopted – playing the four this year and we're kind of like oh this is your role and he's really embraced it and he's taken on the challenge do you think that like and in the sense that he's found a home do you think that that's what Sadiq is waiting for is is to find out where his home is in the in the start or in the rotation yes I think that is part of it but I also can understand I can also understand him attempting to be the, the score that he's trying to be because with all due respect to the rest of the team currently outside of bogey like if i'm sadiq and i'm looking around i'm like i'm not sure anybody's a better scorer on this roster than me and we're losing every night like yeah. you know what i mean so like I, it's easy to me i i can understand the thought process and him being more aggressive as a scorer when maybe the team at times needs him to harness it but you can easily understand why maybe see his thought process in that uh, and not, I'm not saying that is a thought process. I would just, if that was me, I would have a little bit of that. So, yeah, I think I think there's a, I think it's yeah, I think it's a again. I just think I think he needs a reset on this season and just kind of needs to. I think a couple guys need this season to end and just come back fresh next year. Well, I hope one of those guys for you is not Isaiah Stewart, the next player who is subject to a midseason grade. James Isaiah Stewart, how's he been playing this year? I give him a B. I think he's been uh, the the three point shooting is dipped. He's back to thirty two and a half, but I think that'll probably go back up. But he's I'd, I'd say most people are. I mean, I've again, I've 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 seen this. I, I I'm not surprised by what he was doing prior to this kind of slow shooting slump that he's been in the last few weeks. Um, but he's he's spaced. He has the ability to space the floor. He's shown some stuff off the dribble. It's not always pretty. Um, but there are some stuff there. He's made some nice passes as of late. Um, defensively, I, I think having Dura next to him is huge, and I think that'll go a long way, and I think we've seen flashes of that um, this season. So I think when you're evaluating just him, and again, it's hard because the team is bad, but you're just trying to evaluate the development of this player or what they're doing, I think he's a B. I, I give him a B. I think he's done – I think he's obviously turned heads, um, and I think that he's he's found a role that he's still going to grow into. It's just, he's just one guy that just gets better, or adds some that's added something every year, and it's hard not to to believe in those guys. Yeah, uh, very elegantly put. I actually don't really have anything to add to that. Let's just keep the punches rolling here. What was your grade for him? I'm just kind of rolling with whatever you oh, do okay. now. I thought you wrote it, yours down. Well, I did, but we have gone like one for one with literally all of these. Okay. So at this point, I'm just not going to say what it was. Uh, Jaden Ivy. Let's do him next. Uh, I'll kick this one off. I hey, feel yo. like 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I feel like the deck has kind of been stacked against him this year, like from the jump between... I think that's uh, fair. Not even just the Cade injury, but any injury that has happened on this team, right? So... The cause of that is now we're just playing lineup roulette every night. We've seen a lot of really silly turnovers where it's like, that's got to just be a chemistry thing. And there was even a dumb one that he had against uh, Milwaukee tonight. But but that's but that it makes it really tough for him. And I think what ends up happening is you're kind of just like, just go out there and play this year, man. You know, refine some stuff. Maybe his like mid-range shot. Because am I kind of over the three-level scorer? like idea of Jaden Ivey already like no but I just don't really see it happening like I think he has great body control around the rim he's second in the league among rookies um in points at the rim I think Benedict Matherin is first and then Ivey is also third in the league among rookies in scoring uh behind Matherin and uh and Boncaro so it's like I think I just want him to use his body more on offense and not as much on defense because, man, he is not afraid to foul dudes. Like, he will just throw himself into guys. Um, But I always love his effort. I'm never questioning his motor. I think he's always getting after it, even if he's doing something kind of silly that I don't love, even if he's throwing up a brick on a spot-up three and there's nobody within, like, seven feet of him. I'm still He's going down to the other end of the floor, and I'm like, I know he's just going to let it fly on the next time down, and I'm, I'm, I just root for it every single time. So... I've had a really fun time watching him this year through the highs and the lows just because uh, as somebody who, speaking very candidly, pre-draft and even after we drafted him, I was just kind of like, yep, we'll see. Like, we'll see how this goes because I'm not too sure about this. Um, I've found it really easy, especially as a dude, to just root for him. Eloquently said. Um, (laughs) What? I could, you're very tired. It's very funny. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah, I give him a C. Um, <laughs> I'm like, man, he's awesome. And you're like, I don't know. He's not that. <laughs> I, I mean, he's he's had highs and lows um, like he's supposed to because he's a rookie. Um, I, I just think defensively he's just been um, probably um, the weakest link. Of that of that group, I think defensively, um, I do agree with you that he does try. I just think that there's obviously understanding where he's supposed to be, and then also like just being drilling it in his head to like stay low, stay in a stance. Too often he stands up, yeah. and he's yeah. too athletic to just be getting blown by as much as he does. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily an effort thing. I think that's more so of a just like having to commit to it. Um, offensively I think early on he showed to be a better playmaker than I anticipated but as the season's gone on and again I don't I think this is part of the circumstances not having Cade um having to do maybe even a little bit more than maybe they anticipated 
the decision making hasn't always been great. It's been kind of spotty here and there. Um, I think he's better. He's been a better three point shooter than I thought he would be. Um, so he gets points there. But then I also think that his touch in the mid range is obviously has not been great. His touch at the rim hasn't always been great. Yeah. Um, and there's another thing I was gonna mention. Um. Oh, and he's also been, and I and I and I respect it, and I and this is what you want to see in a rebuilding year. He's he's clearly trying to take stuff out of the Alec Burks playbook, and and is trying to draw fouls on jump shots, and it doesn't work out for him as like it does for Alec Burks, and it leads to some some bad possessions for the team. But you at least like that he's like picking stuff up from the vet, and he's trying to implement it into his game, and that's part of what the season's about. So, um. There's been there's been really intriguing highs and there's been really low lows so I I think I just settle in at a, settle in at a C. A lot of rookie wall stuff with him it feels like from time to time but it's really not uncommon, uh, especially in the last few years that post All Star rookie burst that we get out of some guys maybe it happens to Jade Ivy who knows yeah, right? I will give you the floor uh, for this next one you can choose between Jalen Duran and Killian Hayes. We can do JD. Okay, let's do Jalen Duran. Uh, I'll start with just something super brief, and and I'll I'll leave it up to you. For a guy coming into the league at 18 years old, is now 19 years old, didn't really have a ton of expectations for him. He started, what, like a dozen games now at this point? I think maybe even a little bit more than that. Um, yeah, he's kind of already getting those Dwight Howard comparisons from opposing broadcasts. I was thinking about this the other day, and I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are, you know, now that we're, I don't know, what, 40 games into the season? Uh, if I could take you back for a second, first summer league game that Detroit played, uh, Mark Jones and Doris Burke have Dwayne Casey on the uh, broadcast panel, and he throws out Sean Kemp as a comparison for yes. Jalen Duran. Young Sean Kemp. You seeing that? You seen any of that on old JD? Yeah, he uses that. He's used it a lot throughout this season. Uh, I, I see the similarities for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I give. I think JD gets a. A B, B minus. Um, Let's go I flat think, B. I think that's yeah, fair. That's fair. All right. We can go B. Um, I think, I mean, I already talked about it. He has exceeded my expectations. And not that I didn't think he was going to end up being a good player, but I just didn't know how much they would use him uh, to start the year. Um, there was, I was curious how he'd rebound the ball after what happened at Summer League, and he's been a monster on the boards. Um, he's obviously progressed as as a rim runner um he's he's active i think he's a a great teammate um he's he's holding his own he's holding his own and he's the youngest player in the league and he's holding holding his own obviously there are certain great players in this league that are tough for anybody and those are just kind of the lumps you go through but he he holds his own on most nights and that is super impressive for somebody his age um, he has more good nights than bad nights. I think where kind of the minus comes in is um, he shows some really great stuff defensively at times, and I think he's going to eventually, when the dust settles, be a really good defender. But there are times now, and actually Dwayne said it after the um, after the Bucks game tonight, just in terms of rim protection, sometimes you wish he was there just a little bit more or a little bit quicker or he attempted to get this block. Um, and that's all part of – the learning process he's gonna be I think he's gonna be a really really good defender in this league but right now um, I do think he actually has a little ways to go on that end and it's not like anything that's like like he needs to like it's gonna take a long time in terms of just like he has to harness something it's more so just like processing and 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 just being a little bit quicker defensively and I think he's gonna eventually get there and he's gonna be a beast when that happens uh, but that's kind of where I was thinking minus was just like he has all the tools to be a really, really good rim protector. And you, I, you, I, anybody shouldn't expect it in year one. Uh, but there's certainly like, yeah, he, there's steps he could take there defensively, um, just given how freakish he is. And, and when he does anticipate stuff at times, like he, he d- anticipates it like that. And then there's other times where, yeah, like I said, you wish he was just there a little bit quicker or you wish he went for that block. Is Jalen Duran present day? a top five rookie in the NBA. A top five rookie in the NBA. So we go Paolo. Yep. Paolo, Ben Math, Keegan. 
Um, Jalen Williams has been really good. Yep. I feel like I'm missing somebody else. Jalen's shooting, what, 65%, I think, from the field. Now, granted, that's Sounds all right. from, what, within six feet of the rim, probably. Yeah, I, I, I that's texted what he's supposed you to do. 100%. But he had, that, he had that attempt from the elbow tonight. Every few games, he'll throw one of those out there where he yeah, shoots but it the from one, 15 the feet. The one tonight was, like, 15 seconds in the shot. Like, it was, <laughs> that was not a, <laughs> that's like, a tough yeah. shot. He just decided no DHO. They left him open. He was just going to I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's in the he's in the top seven conversation for sure. I'm I'm a big JD fan. I think JD is going to be a monster. Cool. Alrighty, uh, Killian Hayes this season. Uh, the consistent thing that we've been talking about is um, it's sometimes just as simple with him this year. Sometimes the shots go in and sometimes they don't. But a lot of the time, offensively, he's still going to have the same aggressiveness on a night to night basis. Um, we had that stretch, you know, what about a month ago? At this point, a month and a half ago, where it was like, "Ooh, wait, is this is this is it happening? Is this what we've been waiting for?" It's kind of come back down to earth a little bit. It does kind of bum me out. Can't lie. Felt really sad watching that Bulls game. Because I'm like, if there's any game where, even if you're one of the people who are like, we should have drafted Tyrese Halliburton. You guys put it, so much pressure on the kid. To I didn't say a, a word. I didn't say a word. January. I didn't say a word. I didn't say a word. And also, yeah, honestly, dude, like there was pressure on him. Even if we didn't say it, of course there was. If there's any game where you are rooting for that guy, again, even if you are not in his camp, it's that one. And to go 2 of 13, like it just sucks, dude. You just no, feel I, bad. I agree. It's unfortunate. But like, you know how many people are like Killian 40 balling coming? I'm like. That was silly if people Relax. said that. That's silly. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, that's not even in his game. Like, he wasn't – he wouldn't try to go get 40. That's just not him. But um, similar to JD, I'm going to go B-ish for Killian. I like it. Um, I think that we can't forget the first month of the season. Um, and we we can't ignore that he struggles at the rim. Um, but we need to highlight that his shooting off the dribble is completely taking a 180 in a great direction. Um, his mid range has been very good. His catch and shoot three has been much improved. He's are arguably one of the best on ball defenders on the team. I think he's yep. improved as an off ball defender this year too. Um, I like, I believe Killian Hayes is an NBA player. And uh, this season from about mid-November to current time, like even in the Chicago game when he doesn't shoot well, like it's not like, oh, my gosh, it's this like there's no more like people over exaggerating like, oh, my gosh, Killian, he's, is he this, is he that? It's like, oh, an NBA player had a bad night, had a bad yeah. shooting night. And I think he's there where it's like, all right, it's not like – either the best thing in the world when he plays really good or the worst thing in the world when he struggles. Like I think he's slowly but surely built up enough cachet and put together enough good, solid performances that it's like, yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll be better next time. Like, and I think that's huge for him in terms of just like, I don't know if it's huge for him. Like he doesn't need to have the fan validation, I guess, but I think it's for the, for the conversation, uh amongst the pistons world like i think that's it's it's he's in a great place uh right now and um killian has been i think maybe their most important player this season um if you factor in both sides of the ball and just them needing an orchestrator offensively like i think killian has probably been their most important player this season but like i said i can't negate the first month of the year i can't take away that he hasn't really improved as a finisher at the rim um, but I'm, that's not to say that he can't and won't because uh, he's improved in other areas overnight. It feels like so. Uh, kudos to Killian. He's been he's had a really solid year, and, and like I said, I think he's been their most one A one B most important player this year. Interesting take. I'll have to do. I'll have to. I'll have to chew on that one. You did mention a fun little mental exercise there at the beginning. If we did a like, we need to farm points for killing we need to try to get him as many points as, as possible what do you think his career high could be because i don't think he could like you you had a good like he wouldn't hunt 40 i don't know if he could get 35 what's his career uh, high now like 27 i was gonna say 27 was the number in my head yeah we might be off by one or two but i, I believe it's around there 
I think that's about like yeah. I think maybe low thirties. He could probably get to if he if he's cooking from three. Like if he hits five threes in a game, four middies that gets him to twenty three. Yeah, he's got to get to the line a little bit. I was more. gonna say he's gonna have yeah. to get some looks at the line. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'd. I'd say this about puts a bow on it. I don't know. Do you want to do a quick two minutes on Hami? You got something for him? I don't know if you want to do a knock spiel. <laughs> I think Ham, uh, Killian's career is 26. He did it twice. I there think that's is. yeah, like right around there. Um, I think Hami gets a B. Uh, unlike Killian, he didn't necessarily have the same opportunity early on, uh, so you can't really kind of fault him. But also, you can kind of say like, well, if you. I guess you could say, like, if he couldn't crack the rotation early on, well, there must have been a reason why or whatever. But I I don't know. Maybe, yeah, B-ish. Like, he's just been for, like, the last few months, like, the one guy that, like, consistently gives 100% and yeah. changes games. And he's been playing within himself. And um, obviously, defensively, there's still, like, the gambles and some kind of, like, missed stuff here and there. But – He'll come up with a timely steal. He'll come up with a a, a momentum swinging play. Um, I just think Hami Hami is doing what they need him to do in the best version of himself, which we've talked about is like controlled chaos for a while now. And um, I think I think he's been again kind of similar to Killian, but on a shorter scale. Like I think he's maybe been their best player or second best player for about a almost a month now i think he's their best tertiary guy i think you could get away with saying that right yeah i don't hate that eh. i have a i got well, a like alec burks him. is probably the best oh well okay guy. okay okay and yeah, alec yeah, burks yeah, 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 alec yeah. burks gets a b plus yeah no pushback on that one the only drawback i would say about hamadou is and i hey austin drake i don't know if i don't know if he's able to i don't know if you're able to look this up austin is there anybody who misses more and ones then Hami, I, they always rim out. They never actually go yeah. down. He always ends up shooting two. He had another one or two against Milwaukee tonight. I swear he leads the team. I don't know if that's yeah. trackable. He get that's a great question. He does, yeah, he does miss. A, the, the, he gets unfortunate rolls, um, and he it also always looks really good too. And it just doesn't go in. <laughs> yeah, and I think he gets fouled more too than he gets whistled for. Um, but he gets. I mean, when he's in the game, he goes to the line a decent amount per game. I want to say, like, if you looked at maybe the last month, he probably shoots like for a game there's something so funny to me about that classic nba blessing and a curse of being built like a truck where you absorb so much contact that officials aren't able to tell that you're getting destroyed like that lebron archetype and i'm not saying that hamadou is you built think like Hami, LeBron, we, we talk about this like every now like every couple months you think Hami is bigger like way bigger than he is <laughs> i forgot you're right this has been we have like mentioned he's, that he's we built, about this all the time yeah, yeah he's like built like a, a good receiver but like Bro, he, he looks like a tight end to me. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think. But don't not like that. a. I'm not talking about like um. Just trying to like. I'm, he's not Antonio Gates tight end. I'm not talking no. about that. I'm talking about uh, hey like Kyle did you, Pitts. Did you see? I'm so sorry. This is a such a random segue. I cannot forget to bring this up though. Did you see Otis Wiley calling out Peyton Thorne, saying it should be Noah Kim or Caden Hauser starting next year? No, but shout out to Flint Carmen Ainsworth's finest. Otis Wiley went to Carmen Ainsworth? Yes, sir. Oh, my gosh. Shout the lore to, gets shout worse. Flint. Shout out to Flint. Oh, man. Okay, sorry. Wrong. Uh, any other players you want? I don't know if you got – that's probably about it. You want to move on Did to the, the travel? You almost, we almost missed Alec Burks. He, he gets a solid B. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just thought he was one of those guys that, like, we've seen some stuff from him, kind of like Kevin Knox. We're like – well, not like Kevin Knox, but yeah, I just know Alec Burks is good. Where like I just I feel like it's this unspoken thing. We're like we don't need to talk about Alec Burks. He's yeah. been awesome. It's fine. Ba- Bagley, we should have thrown in the livers and Cade, where it's just incomplete. You're right. He missed yep. a lot of time to start the year, and he's missed time lately. Dwayne uh, Casey, grade him. That's too. Ooh. The, the, <laughs> what is the? Ooh, I mean, am I putting you in a box here? You want me to go down no, to the, the the no, travel recap? We can, we, no, I'm not afraid to. No, I'm just trying to think. Like, how do I? I just need a minute. I just, just got to think about it. <laughs> Let me think about that. I would say. So I have a different, as you know, like I have a different view on all this. Like, are there things that 
maybe like decisions that could change like the outcome of games for sure. Um, but is there also like, is he just in a position that is, um, I mean, not set up for failure, but like he's, it's, it's a tough spot to great. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's so many guys in and out of the lineup. He's without his best player. Um, they've had a lot of injuries. They're rebuilding. Like, it's just kind of tough to, if they're as good as I thought they would be coming into the year, I don't know. I guess the C is fine. Yeah, like he's – I don't think he's – I don't know. Well, a, yeah, C, would, a C is what? Average, which means that yeah. he's done with the roster what he feasibly could. And I think that – look, that's the one thing that even if you're in the fire Dwayne Casey camp, I think the compelling argument is then who? Name a coach. Please give me a name of a coach that you think would be doing something different. Yeah, I guess that's like my main point is like with – with where the team is right now, like, I just don't think you, you bring pop in here. I don't think who people revere as obviously the greatest coach of all time or whatever. Like, I don't think their records any different. 100% agreed. Now I would also I admittedly would side with the people who would say, maybe after this year, we have that conversation. Maybe once the season is over, that is a conversation that we have, but James, we might run a little bit long here. So that was the Pistons for today. Let's move on very quickly. I know you're sleepy, James. You want to get to get to bed, but we got to talk about Europe, dude, because I'm I was I'm so excited for you, and I I hope it was worth it. I hope that you can look back and say that it was like your favorite trip that you've that you've gotten to go on uh, since you've been on the beat. I mean, it had to be up there, right? Hmm. I haven't thought about it in that perspective. Um. Did you yeah, go to Mexico City? No, I didn't. Okay. It's up. Yeah, it's definitely up there. It's, I mean, it was a new experience, but like I, when I was, before I got this job, I didn't, I hadn't traveled a lot. Like I'd never been to LA before I got this job. Um, I'd been to New York and Chicago, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's a little different just because like, I'll go to LA and I'll I randomly catch a most deaf concert <laughs> here. It was like, I was in Europe and like, it was amazing. Cause I'd never been, but like, that was really cool to go see most deaf in LA outside of Staples. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, it's up there for sure. Like no question. Yeah. I, I had an amazing time. It was, yeah. I'm glad I went. Um, I was ready to go home by like Wednesday. Not going <laughs> to lie. I got there Monday morning and it's not nothing against uh, Paris, but it was just a lot. Um, the time change, all that stuff. It, I did a lot of walking, a lot of, I was a, working a lot. It was just a lot, um, but certainly a once-in-a-lifetime experience that I will forever remember, and am glad I made the choice to go. And you ate a snail. Dude, they're good. <laughs> I was shocked. I was shocked, bro. Like, So my sister went on the trip with me when she found out that I was going a few months back. She's like, hey, I'm going. I'm like, all right, cool. And she was like, if you try this, I will. We went to a restaurant on it was either the first night. It might have been the first night or the second night that we got there. And she's like, if you try this, I'll buy your your meal for the your next meal. I'm like, well, first of all, I don't pay for my own meals anyway. I, the <laughs> company Athletic pays for them, yeah. but yeah. sure. So we opened it, came little snail shell. You grabbed the 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 pinchers and you use the little fork and you get the meat out had nice little seasoning on it it takes it texture wise it's like lobster and you don't like lobster so that's right you said that yeah i was gonna ask it was is it kind of like i don't know if you've ever had like calamari like not fried calamari just like raw calamari i never had raw calamari but i imagine it's like not too far off but it's it reminded me of lobster like a little like obviously soft but like still a little chewy yeah i was it was good. I had it the next day too. It was so good. I was. I'm a big fan of of snail. I would do it again. They did it right. I had some fire Chinese food. Um, Ooh, okay. I'm trying to think. Did, you, any, did any of my rules come in handy? Did you get Americanized in any way, or like ousted as an American? I mean, they could tell I was American, but I. So my go-to shout out to Allison Fran, uh, Max Boltman's girlfriend, who is. Her family's from France, and she gave me some tips. Actually, we I flew to Paris. Max and Allison, Ma- Max was going to Sweden to do Red Wing stuff, and their layover was in Paris, so we were actually on the same flight, which was cool. 
Wow, that's wild. Yeah, it worked out. Um, but she she told me what you have to do in France is like at least attempt. Yep. And they'll respect it. So what my line was, bonjour, désolé, parlez-vous anglais? Which is hello. Speak English, yeah. Hello, sorry. Do you speak English? So every, I never had any issues. Like everybody spoke yeah. English. That's uh, a respectable they, line, yeah. And, and then they also like laughed, like because they were like, "Well, that was kind of good." <laughs> and <laughs> so it was, yeah. I appreciate her for giving me that because it worked. Um, anything else? You see a lot of parliaments. What is that? Oh, cigarettes. Oh, Cigar- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like everybody smokes, fam. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Of, uh, what was the experience like? Is it weird seeing the Eiffel Tower? Are you kind of like, whoa, this is, like, actually in front of me? Like, this isn't, like, a replica? Like, this is the actual one? Hot take. Little overrated. Whoa. I was underwhelmed. Whoa. That was, like, the first thing we did when we got to the hotel, dropped our bags off, went straight to the Eiffel Tower, and again, or not again, but we went during the day, Uh we were able to see it at night lit up and it was cool. But like during the day, like you got there and it was like, I thought it was a little bit bigger <laughs> pause. Um, there was like some type of construction, like right around it. So like, I don't know, maybe if I would have walked around, but you couldn't even like touch it. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was just the park around it was cool, but it wasn't like, I don't know. It just, it wasn't this like when I think of the Eiffel tower, I think of like sexy, like this is like, yeah, it just wasn't st- I don't know. It wasn't sexy. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I actually, I want emails on this. If somebody knows what I'm talking about, bun and cardigan at gmail.com spelled phonetically. phonetically. No ampersand. It is a N D. So bun and cardigan at gmail.com. Isn't there like this, like, I don't know what to call it, but it messes with your brain where people have, and it happens in Paris specifically where people have this like idealized version of it in their heads where this is, it's this extravagant lively city with like fashion and like mopeds on every corner. And it's like, the well, that part, those society. two things are true, but like, then everybody they get had there. a damn moped. Oh, the moped thing. Well, yeah, that's yeah. just, uh, and they had just... like Gucci and Dior and Hermes, like in, they're so high-end fashion that like when you get through security at the airport the first things you see is car- are cartier at the airport they had the airport? They, they had cartier every designer that louis vuitton they had like seven stores lined up at the airport it was can crazy I, can i give you a quick airport take why don't they have a gym in the airport they have like yoga rooms do they hmm okay yeah, i guess people to stretch is gym a good idea you get all sweaty sit next to yeah. that guy in the plane i don't know if i really want that how was the flight what was you just sleep the whole time or you zonked on the way there i slept all but an hour and a half excuse me for my yawning holy cow last night i fell asleep at nine o'clock and woke up at four and i haven't been to bed since that's brutal uh, uh but i mean i got like my seven hours in so i like woke up energized but it's still like who wants to be up at four yeah um on the way there i slept six and a half of the seven and a half hours so that was cool holy smokes Cause, i mean i flew out like later so it was like close to bedtime and it was like it made sense on the way home it was an eight hour flight and i slept the first four and watched um two movies the last four the <laughs> the first movie i watched was uh the batman and robin movie with uh arnold schwarzenegger as mr freeze i haven't seen that in a long time so i decided to watch that yeah and then i watched a pretty funny movie uh the dilemma with kevin james and vince vaughn you like that movie i liked it i I like i like both those guys Um, it was like an early 2010s movie wasn't it maybe late 2000s yeah like 2011 i think yeah 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 that was good um i tell you what the, the the as people are listening to this in real time if you're listening to this on tuesday when it drops Oscar nominations have officially been released, which either means I am really, really excited or really, really upset, depending on if my movies got left off. So we'll see. Uh, it's a big year for the Oscars, and uh, I'm excited. Do you get a last question? Do you have a window seat? You get to look at anything? Always window seats. Always have to. Yeah. Well, how was the I'm Atlantic? A, I couldn't see because it was uh, it was dark on the way there. Yeah. It was it was at night, so you couldn't see it. Well, but and on I'm, the way home, on the way home, I mean, you're above the clouds, and it was like cloudy. It's winter, so couldn't it's really, really see down. It's really nauseating flying over the ocean once there's like no land because you're like, oh wow, there's just nothing. 
like there's nothing. The vastness of the ocean is a real thing. Like there's just nothing. I'm okay. Trying, I'm trying to like. I feel like my my Paris breakdown was weak. Like, am Dude, I missing anything? Dude, you're gassed right now. I wish you could see. You're gassed right now. I went to like a ton of shoe stores. We can do. We can. You can recollect next week if you want. We can do a part uh, two if you want to s- go to bed. I saw. I'm trying to think of any <laughs> famous people. I saw. I saw Pharrell. Yep. Um, little baby. Yep. Victor Wembanyama. Victor, Magic. Um, a lot of F1 drivers were there too. Which yeah, I saw cool. that. I didn't know they were. But yeah, no, Paris is beautiful. I would say the couple things that stand out. It's basically New York without the crazy people with French architecture. Like, there's a store in every nook and cranny. It's walk amazing walking city i would also say it's more fast-paced than new york and that might not be true but it felt true because maybe maybe in my mind it felt more fast-paced because i was in a foreign place so like yeah i'm trying to like take in everything taking the the guy driving me around i'm trying to take in understanding what people are saying so maybe it just felt more fast-paced the driving is insane their roundabouts are like the craziest thing in the world uh, they don't have like lanes in their roundabouts. It's literally just a big circle, and people just got to figure this shit out. Like that was scary. Um, I'm assuming like Uber and Lyft is a thing, right? Or is there Lyft like, an is not? There's no Lyft there, but there's Uber. Okay. Okay. Cool. Took the train a few times. Did you nab any uh, French money as like a souvenir? You know? No, I didn't. My sister has some though. I didn't. It's a good I, call. I, I was I was straight, straight, straight card, homie. Well, uh, yeah, but still, I don't know. How do ATMs work out there? Can you do that? I don't know if I can use my card, but they had regular ATMs like ours. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I just mean like if you have like a uh, like I have a credit union, like a local I do credit too. union. Yeah, I do. Do you have Dort? Do you do no. Dort? Okay, I do Dort. No. Do you is know like, what Dort does... is? No, I don't. Okay, it's a Flint one. I didn't know if it made it way. It made its way to your neck of the woods. Did you bump into like Neymar or Mbappe or Messi or anything? I didn't. I didn't, unfortunately. Oh, um, I wish I did. Um, gosh, I feel like I'm missing something that was major, but you try any bread? Yeah, they had good bread. Um, <laughs> cheese? Yeah, yeah, had some cheese. Cool good cheese. Had some a wine. Glass of wine. French yeah, wine. Nice. Wine. It was nice. Fine. Did its job. Nice bottle of Barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick. Uh, yeah. I don't. Oh, one thing I found weird is like. You're in Paris, but, like, a lot of people ate at, like, McDonald's and Burger King. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We did like, get an email. Somebody told you to order something specific from McDonald's, and I should have told you about that. I did get McDonald's once when I was there because I was, like, I didn't have enough time to, like, figure out where I was going and, like, sit down. I had to get to practice, yeah. and their McDonald's is better. You eat a McSnail? <laughs> no, that's one place I ain't eat no damn snail from McDonald's. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> Would you eat a McRib? No. Okay, I just had to, I was I just needed to make sure there wasn't like some weird double standard or something. No, also, what's wrong with McRib. the McRib? I've never had one either, but what's the deal? I don't know. I'm not eating ribs from McDonald's. It just don't doesn't sound right. Bring back while we're on the topic of ribs, bring back Damon's. You guys remember Damon's? Are you too young for Damon's? Yeah, I don't I'm also not a huge ribs guy, so there used to be this it used to be a chain, and we're gonna get emails about this or tweets. Please, if you remember Damon's, hit us up. And it wasn't that long. Like, you should have been alive for Damon's. Like, your brother and dad probably know about Damon's. It was like a chain. How do I describe it? It was like a chain restaurant. But it was known for, like, its its ribs. They had tremendous potato skins. But what the, the appeal was is each – they had, like, big booths. So, like, it's this massive restaurant with big booths. And they had, like, six massive big screen TVs there. So, you would – like, everybody would go there and watch football every Sunday. Like, when I was a kid, like, we would go to Damon's and my dad would watch – we would watch football. But bring back Damon's. The McRib makes me want it. I don't know why Damon's closed. Shout out to Damon's. Is B-Dub still considered, like, the premier place to, like, watch football and sports and stuff? Is that still a thing? People still care about B-Dub's? I mean, if you're – if you – I can't even think of a good quip. Gosh, because that would have been that's easy. That's an easy one. I'm I'm out of it. Yeah, if you go to B, like shout what's out to B Dubs. Like what's the matter with Buffalo Wild Wings? What's going on? I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but like I don't know. Go to like to your local bar. I don't. What's B Dubs have that your local bar doesn't? 
I'm not pressured to drink at a at a B Dubs. Checkmate. I don't know that. I don't think it's any different. I can order like a Shirley Temple at a B Dubs and they will not flinch. If I order that at a bar here by me, well, maybe not by me, but here in in most places, no shot. I go over to Wicker Park and try to order a Dirty Shirley, I get kicked out. Hell's a dirty Shirley. A dirty Shirley? It's a Shirley Temple with vodka. You've never no. let your inner child live. You've never had a dirty. Shirley? I mean, I've probably had it, but like that's, uh, yeah. That my white side has never said dirty Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate five stars, leave a review, subscribe if you're feeling generous. If you're listening, can to I this get on a sp- dirt? That sounds like a. Let me not. That, that, can I get a dirty Shirley? <laughs> You've never ordered one before. That sounds wild, man. Can I get a dirty Shirley? <laughs> they like know a, what you it's mean. Like a, it's like a Dutch rudder. Ten times out of ten, if you order that, they'll be like, yeah, sure, dude. Or they might look at you weird depending on where you are. Like, are you sure? Are you ordering this for somebody else? No, this is for me. It's delicious. Do you know what a Dutch rudder is? Is it one of those I know what the it's vein from, of this joke is, I think? It's from a movie. Oh, okay. Is it one of those things that if you explained what it is on the show, it probably wouldn't go over very well? Yeah. Yeah, so it's one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Could rattle those off all day. If you're also listening to this on Spotify, you can rate five stars. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) we will catch you guys in the next one. Peace. Peace.